discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same, we are constant. God is constant, God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. He says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything he is, that is why he told Abraham, he said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boateng as Christ is magnified in you. Hello, welcome to Sunday morning's glorious service. Uh, I'm glad you've joined us this morning from wherever you are. Today we are going to have a wonderful service together. And I believe you are going to be blessed. I believe you are going to learn so many things that will help you. And so many things that will cause you to increase in glory. And increase in the love of God some more. Hallelujah. You know, we are doing all these things to help you grow some more in the Lord. And help you receive more knowledge concerning our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So that you can grow as he wants you to. And so that you can have more understanding concerning who he is and how much he has loved you. So that's, that's the aim for, of, of all that we are doing. The aim of the question and answer session is not to um, put doubts into your mind or to confuse you, but to help you to understand some more who Jesus is and who the Holy Spirit is and what God has done for you in Christ. Hallelujah. So this morning, uh, I'm honored once again to have uh, two of our pastors joining us uh, on set, we have Pastor Eugene Ebutete on my right, and then we have uh, Pastor Kobi Siam on my left here to help us answer all your questions. We've received so many questions. I think we have we have about thirteen pages of questions so far, and um, that's apart from what we answered on on Wednesday. So we have a lot of questions to answer, and uh, we'll try our best to go through every single question and answer every single question. But if you're unable to finish, we'll try and continue on Wednesday uh, or some other time. You know. So you're welcome once again to ask the author. And I know that you're going to have, we're going to have a very lovely, lovely time this morning. Let's share a little prayer before we start. Father, thank you for your blessings. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for your precious Holy Spirit who is here with us to teach us and to guide us. Thank you for answers to every single question. Thank you for inspiration from your Holy Spirit. Thank you for great grace ministered to all of us. Thank you for great understanding given to all of us in the name of the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father, that you lead us beside stewards and you restore our souls, even as we hear your word. Even in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. We're going to go straight into the questions. Like I said, we have so many questions to answer this morning. And I know God is going to grant us grace to answer every single question the way God would want us to. So the very first question I have here is uh, concerning what we're talking about the last time on the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. So this is from Trudy from Kaswa. He says, she says, please, the question I would like to ask is, is speaking in tongues an evidence that the Holy Spirit is in you after you're born again? Thank you. Is speaking in tongues an evidence that the Holy Spirit is in you after you are born again? Thank you. You know, um, the last time we were trying to explain some of these things to you, 
the Holy Spirit is involved in the new birth. And when you, when you, without the Holy Spirit, you cannot be born again. Without the Holy Spirit, you cannot receive Christ. Receiving Christ is receiving the Holy Spirit, actually. Because Christ, the word Christ is the anointing and the, and his, the anointed one and his anointing. That's what that uh, word means, isn't it? Christ means the, anoint, the anointed one and his anointing. And the anointed one is Jesus Christ. And his anointing is the Holy Spirit. So when we say Christ in you, if any man be in Christ, when we say Christ is in you, what it means is that the Holy Spirit is actually in you. So at the new birth, the Holy Spirit actually comes into you. He is responsible for your regening, you know, or your, your salvation. He's the one who's responsible. We are born again of the Word and the Spirit. Jesus said in John chapter 3, verse uh, 3, and then verse 5. I think it would be good if you read some of that, that uh, part of the Bible. He says, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You see, then in verse 5, Jesus mentions born again in this particular verse. Then in verse 5, he explains further. He says, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So you must be born of uh, water and of the Spirit. Now, what is water? The, 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 the water represents the Word of God. So if you read in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23, the Bible says that being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. The word seed there is sperma or spermata, which, which is the word from where we get uh, the English sperm. You see, so it's like the word of God acts as the sperm, okay, for fertilizing the ovaries of the Holy Spirit, if you like, for us to be conceived and for the new birth to take place. So the, the, the word of God is, is water in John chapter 15, Verse, uh, uh, verse 5. Let's look at John 15, 3, rather. John 15, 3. Jesus said, Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. He spoke about the word as, as having a cleansing ability. You see, and in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, Paul also, you know, talking about the word, says that husbands love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might cleanse, he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. So Jesus talking about uh, being born of water was in reference to the word. Do you see? It was in reference to the word. Hallelujah. Because we see it here. It says that he might sanctify, the, sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. So the word of God is responsible for our fertilization and hence our conception and new birth. But the Holy Spirit, Jesus didn't say, except you are born of water alone. He said, of water and of the Spirit. You see? So the Holy Spirit serves or acts as the mother, okay, for in which you are conceived. You are, you are conceived. <laughs> Hallelujah. So in, uh, in several portions of the Bible, you see it there. You see the how the Holy Spirit is responsible for a new birth. Right there in John chapter. 3, verse 5. Says, Jesus answered, Very, very, I say unto you, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Verse 6. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do you see? So you must be born of the Spirit. In other words, the Holy Spirit is responsible for your new birth. Now, if I give birth, I have a son. If my son bears my genes, so I'm in him in that sense, because what is in me is what is in him. A part of me is in him. Hallelujah. 
So the Holy Spirit is actually in us. And if you read in, in at the new birth, okay, at the new birth, the Holy Spirit is actually in you. If you read in um, um, several portions of the Bible, in Romans chapter 8, for instance, verse 16, the Bible says in Romans 8, 16, that the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Now, this has nothing to do with receiving the Holy Spirit. It has nothing to do with speaking in tongues. This has everything to do with the new birth. He says the Holy Spirit is in you to bear witness with your spirit that you are a child of God. And then verse 17. Look at verse 17. And if children, then heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, it so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Hallelujah. You see, so we are, we are, we are born again by the agency of the word, and by the agency of the, of the Spirit. If you believe that the Word of God is in you, if you believe that you're an offspring of the Word, then you must believe that you're an offspring of the Spirit. And mind you, Jesus said that the words that I speak unto you, they are Spirit and they are life. The Word of God is Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, there is no new birth. So the Holy Spirit is responsible for a new birth, as much as the Word is responsible. And he's the, he's the one who quickens the Word for the Word to have the power that it has. You see, so the Holy Spirit actually is in you at your new birth. If you read in Romans chapter 8 verse 9, you see something similar there. Romans 8, 9. It says, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. The spirit of Christ is not different from the spirit of God. The spirit of Christ is the same as the Holy Spirit. It's the same Holy Spirit is talking about. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one, into one body. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 13. You see, so we are, we are born again by the agency of the Holy Spirit, and hence he is inside our spirit. It's not speaking in tongues is not what brings the Holy Spirit into your life. Okay? The person of the Holy Spirit is already there by virtue of the new birth. And I want you to get that clear. Normally, there's, there's always a confusion around this particular thing that I'm talking about as to whether you have the Holy Spirit at, at your new birth or you don't have the Holy Spirit. And that's the question you asked. That's the question you asked. It's a very, very important question. Please. I'd like to know if speaking in is speaking in tongues and evidence of the Holy Spirit and evidence that the Holy Spirit is in you after you are born again. The answer is no. When you're born again, the Holy Spirit is in you. Whether you speak in tongues or not, the Holy Spirit is in you. The Holy Spirit bears witness. At least that scripture should clear that for you. Romans 8 16 should clear that for you. Uh, for what does he even say? Um, the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. The Holy Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Then if you go back to verse 9, he says that, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. That the spirit of God dwell in you. Emphatically, yes, when? When you're born again. So he goes on to say, now if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Do you see? Then in John chapter 14, when Jesus was talking about the Holy Spirit, the coming of the Holy Spirit, he was making reference to him coming back. He coming back to the disciples. So in John 14, from verse uh, 16, Jesus said, And I'll pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Talking about the Holy Spirit. Verse 17. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because he seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. How was he dwelling with them? He was dwelling with them in the presence of Jesus. Jesus, Jesus was the Holy Spirit dwelling with the disciples at that time. You see, so when he left, he said, I'll not leave you comfortless. I'll come to you. How was he going to come to them? He was going to come to them in the Holy Spirit. So the new birth is actually the Holy Spirit coming into you as Christ. Christ is in you 
uh, by the agency or by the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The Father is in you by the agency or the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And that is a one-time thing that happens. So speaking in tongues is the gift of the Holy Spirit. There's a person and there's a gift. The gift is different from the person. Do you see? For some, some people explain this, what I'm saying this way, that the, the gift, the gift of, the, of receiving the Holy Spirit is actually the receiving the person of the Holy Spirit. You see, they'll say that when you get born again, um, I've said this before, they'll say that when you get born again, the Holy Spirit is inside you to a certain degree. But then when you receive the, you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, then you receive the fullness of the Spirit or you receive the Holy Spirit in, in, in a whole. But I cannot be here with the part of myself and be, uh, be in another place with, the, with another part of myself. When the Holy Spirit comes into your life at a new birth, he comes into you with all of himself. But he gives you, you see, it's, it's all about technology. It's technology that confuses us sometimes, you know. Um, receiving the Holy Spirit that is referred to in the book of Acts actually has to do with receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit, which brings you the endowment of power with that, with accompanying, uh, accompanied with the gifts of the Holy Spirit and accompanied with speaking in tongues, his ministry with you. You see, there are two ministries of the Holy Spirit, two basic, large, basic uh, ministries of the Holy Spirit. The first one is his ministry in you and his ministry with you. His ministry in you comes as a result of his presence in you at the new birth. So the Holy Spirit talks to us. Do you see? The Holy Spirit helps us. The Holy Spirit, as long as you acknowledge him, he'll be doing all these things in you. Because if we are going to say that the Holy Spirit only comes into you when you receive, when you start speaking in tongues, then John Wesley did not have the Holy Spirit. C.H. Spurgeon did not have the Holy Spirit. Martin Luther did not have the Holy Spirit. Um, um, all these wonderful men of God, Watchmani, did not have the Holy Spirit. Madame Guyon did not have the Holy Spirit. All these wonderful men and women of God who did great things did not have the Holy Spirit. They did have the Holy Spirit. And their writings even show that they did have the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit gave them light into the scriptures to write the things that they wrote and to do the things that they did. You see, so the new birth is very important. Without that, the new birth, without the new birth, you cannot go forward. You cannot do a lot of things. You, you cannot, you, not, the life of God cannot work in you. Nothing can work. You need to be born again. It's very important. Very, very, because that is what brings God into your life. Now, after that, there's a second experience of receiving the Holy Spirit. Okay? Understand what I'm saying? Receiving the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That's what is always, is always referred to with the accompanying evidence of speaking in tongues. Hallelujah. And Jesus said in, 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 in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he says, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Do you see? And you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. He was talking about the coming upon of the Holy Spirit for the purpose of settling them. So what happened to the 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 apostles in Acts chapter 2 was twofold. They got born again in Acts chapter 2 and at the same time they received the gift of the Holy Spirit with the accompanying evidence of speaking in tongues. It all happened at once for them. Same thing happened at, uh, in Acts chapter 10 with Cornelius and his, and his household. They, they got born again and they received the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues at the same time. Hallelujah. I don't know if anybody has any, anything more to say. I mean, this is a very important teaching. I believe that if everybody can understand it the way uh, Pastor is saying, we'll really have a lot of improvement, you know. And 
he has quoted so many scriptures and there are yet so many other scriptures that goes to buttress the point that the moment you become born again, you become born again with the Holy Spirit. You know, I think I'll just add the scripture to it and then Please do. Yeah, um, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. Mm-hmm. The Bible says that, In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with, the, with that Holy the Spirit, Spirit of, of promise. promise. The Bible says that, Which is the earnest of our mm-hmm. inheritance, mm-hmm. Until the redemption of the purchased possession, unto the praise of his glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So when you receive the gospel, you became born again. The Holy Ghost, you received the Holy Spirit as well. He came into you as a person, relating with you, enlightening you. Without the Holy Spirit, you can practically do nothing. I mean, you won't understand the scriptures. You will not have the urge to go to church. You will not have the Holy Spirit brings life, you know, and I think it's really a very important um, teaching. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Very important scripture. Yeah. The Holy Spirit is a seal of promise. You know, if you read in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, you see a similar thing there. 2 Corinthians 1 from verse 20, 21, and 22. You see a similar thing there. However, the Holy Spirit is actually the seal. You know, in, in the new birth, the Holy Spirit is a, is a seal and the, the earnest that is given to us. Yeah. You know, for all the promises of God and in him, yea, and in him, amen, unto the glory of God by us. 2 Corinthians 1.20. Now he which establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God, who has also sealed us and given the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. He says he's given us the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. The Holy Spirit, the word earnest is, uh, is Arabon. It, 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 it means uh, a wedding ring, an engagement ring. You know, the Holy Spirit is that seal. That seals the fact that you are a child of God. Uh-huh. So you, you can't take him out of the new birth. He's part of the new birth. He's inside you during, at the new birth. He's everything. He's responsible for everything. For by one spirit are we all baptized. By one spirit are we all immersed into one body, which is Christ. Without him, you cannot be made a member of the body of Christ. Without him, you cannot be regened. Do you see? You cannot be regenerated. It's not possible. So the Holy Spirit is in your life. But his ministry uh, with you, he has a ministry with you. And he has a ministry in you even. Or a ministry towards you, yeah. and then a ministry with you. That ministry will not be activated uh, when you are not conscious of Him and His presence in your life. So, what the second what the second experience does is that it brings you into a consciousness of the Holy Spirit's living in you and His ministry in your life. Hallelujah! That's what it does, and it gives you the language of the Spirit to be able to communicate with the Father, so that you can have deep conversations with God and deep understanding concerning the, the Lord and deep fellowship concerning uh, deep fellowship with the Lord. Hallelujah. That's, that's what happens. You see. And without the second experience, you will not uh, uh, be exposed to the giftings of the Spirit. You may not be exposed to, to the power of the Holy Ghost. You may not be exposed to the exp- all the beautiful experiences that God would want you to have. Hallelujah. And we spoke about them the last time. I don't know if you want to add anything to it. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, always remember that, okay? At the new birth, you have the Holy Spirit. The speaking in tongues is a gift that God wants you to receive. Everybody must have that gift. It's a gift that God has given to you. And you have to, it's, just, it's up to you to receive it or not to receive it. Do you see? By receiving, it will help you. 
to understand God some more. You have your, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. You would know exactly what the word of God is saying. And some people say, I've been born again for a long time, but uh, I don't have any, I, I don't know, my life is not going the way it's supposed. It's because you've not received the gifts of the Holy Spirit yet with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Being born again is like a, it's like a meal, a corn meal. The machine is set up. Everything is put there. Everything is in place. Now, receiving the Holy, the, the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit, it's like putting power into that coming for that coming to start producing results. Without the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit coming to you like that, you will not have power to live the Christian life as you are supposed to and to produce the results God will have you to, to, to produce. It will be very, very difficult for you. That is why you need to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit that we've been talking about, which comes with the evidence of speaking in tongues. But that does not mean, if you don't have that, it doesn't mean that you don't have the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit. Haven't you noticed that even your, 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 your conscience talks to you? Yeah. You are born again. You don't have, you've not received the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But you have, it's like someone keeps talking to you. Yeah. What you're doing is wrong. What you, who is giving that power? See, my, my spirit, the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirits that we are the children of God. You just know that you're a child of God. How do you know? Because the Holy Spirit is there, bearing witness with your spirit. Yeah. Hallelujah. He's there. So don't never think that he's not there. He's there. He's there. But this is an added experience for you to have more power. So Paul asked him, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? Yeah. What was he talking about? He was talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit yeah. with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Ushering you into the realm of power. Ushering you into the realm of glory. Ushering you into the realm of activity to be able to become an active Christian. A witness. One who can share the word. There are a lot of Christians who are not interested in sharing because they, you, you yourself have problems. You are not satisfied. You see, only the Holy, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit can help you, empower you to be to become bold to share with other people and to change other people's lives. You remember, Peter was Peter was very timid when he arrested Jesus because he was not he didn't have the Holy Spirit, you know, the gifts of the Holy Spirit like that. He was timid; he couldn't express himself; he couldn't do anything for the Lord. But after he received the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, he he spoke boldly. And 3,000 people gave their lives to Christ. So without the ministry of the, without the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in tongues, you will not be as bold as you're supposed to. There are a lot of Christians who are not speaking in tongues and hence are so dull and so static, they can't do anything for the Lord. Hallelujah. So you need to speak in tongues. You have to. It's so important. I don't know if anybody would like to ask, add anything to what I'm saying now. I think it's, 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 it's clear. At some point. Hallelujah. Yeah. So this was another question from. Uh, uh, he says, uh, "Thank you, Pastor. I think he didn't add his name." Okay, I'm Nicholas from Kibi. I want to ask the reason why God doesn't want us to understand the tongue that we speak when praying. God never said He didn't want you to understand speaking in tongues. He never said that. He never said that. I think help yeah, us with the question. I think I think it's one of the things we have to be very careful about. Um, uh, our terminologies and how we pick our ideas, you know, it should come straight from the scriptures. God never said that um, he doesn't want you to understand, you know. The scripture that maybe is a little close to what you are talking about is First Corinthians chapter 14, as we use the other time. time. It says that for he that speaketh in an unknown tongue, I'm reading verse 2, he says, speaketh not unto men, but unto God, for no man understands him. Howbeit in the spirit he speaks mysteries. So he never said that uh, he doesn't want you to understand it. Actually, when you read down, um, and I be, there's another question 
in line with this one. So I think we can link the two. When you read down, he talks about, let's say, verse 5. I would that you all speak with tongues, but rather than you, that you prophesy. For greater is he that prophesied than he that speaketh it with tongues, except that he interpret that the church may receive edifying. So God is actually interested in you uh, being able to interpret it. And Pastor mentioned the interpretation of tongues um, on Wednesday. He's, he, he mentioned the fact that interpretation is you prophecy is speaking in tongues with interpretation. And he mentioned how that as you speak in tongues, God wells up, the Holy Spirit wells up your, your mind with scriptures and with declarations and with um, confessions. You know, as you pray in tongues, you notice that there are scriptures that come to mind, there are declarations that come to mind. Now, and as you declare these things, you are prophesying. So the interpretation of the tongues that you are speaking is what you declare. So as you speak in tongues and you are praying, maybe there, you are having pain in a certain kind of part of your body or anything like that. As you pray, a scripture bubbles up in your heart that by his stripes I was healed. As you declare that by his stripes I was healed, that is the interpretation of the tongues that you are praying. So clearly, God is actually interested He's very in you interested. Very uh, much. being able to declare something as you pray so god is very very interested in you understanding it uh, i'm guessing that he, 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 you are thinking of interpretation as translation mm-hmm. uh, yeah but they are two different things altogether yeah, yeah. hallelujah, hallelujah. Like, you know, i don't know if you, you know, have anything um, even with first corinthians chapter 14 as pastor kobe was saying if you read down to verse 12 the bible says that if from verse 12 down to say 15, yeah. even so ye, for as much as ye are zealous of spiritual gift, seek that ye may excel to the edifying of the church. Because at that time, when people speak in tongues, or when people spoke in tongues, um, they couldn't explain, interpret it. So unbelievers will come and will not understand. Yeah. So yeah. he was trying to curb that situation. And I think the way he said it can somehow address the question. This is that verse 13 says that, wherefore let him that speak in an unknown tongue, pray that he may interpret it. Mm-hmm. So if God is saying you should pray, or the Bible says you should pray that you may interpret it, it means that he wants, he wants you, to you to understand it. Yes. Exactly. Then verse 14 says that, for if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. Then verse 15 says that, what is it then? Okay. It says I will pray with the spirit, and I will pray with the understanding. Also. also. So the understanding of what you prayed in tongues is what you are saying. You get it. So it says that I will sing with the spirit and I will sing with understanding also. So God wants you to understand. It, it, will, it will not make sense. That is religion. Yeah. Religion is doing something you don't you have understanding understand. of. But in this case, God really wants you to understand. Right? So it says that when you pray, pray, I'll pray in the spirit and I'll pray in the understanding of what I said in tongues. So God really does want you to. Hallelujah. So Hallelujah. take that assumption from your mind. Never assume. Okay. Always talk and speak according to what the scriptures say. Never assume, never um, make, for instance, there's another question here. He says, hello, from, this is uh, from Shadrach. He says, uh, I want to ask, why is it that the early church had much power and we have little? Who said the early church had much power <laughs> and we have, what is your reference uh, 
to that evidence that yeah. the early church had more pow power than the church now. There's How many people were raised from the dead, dead in the book of Acts? Check the number of people who have been raised from the dead in our time. You'll be surprised. So many people. Hundreds this and year. even thousands. Just as here, so many people have been raised from the dead. Yeah. You don't know about it. Don't say that the church does not have power or has yeah. little power. It is not true. At all. It is not true at all. The same power of the Holy Spirit that was there was present at that time is the same power of the Holy Spirit that is there at this time. You know, the book of Acts was not was not concluded. Because the Acts of the Holy is actually the book of the Acts of the Holy Spirit, not the Acts of the Apostles. Yeah. Yeah. Do you see? It's the Acts of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit acted in the Apostles and is still acting in us today. We pray for the sick people recover. Yeah. They, are, they are wonderful miracles. You have no idea. Plenty of miracles. So many miracles. So much power. Yeah. Things that never happened in the, act, in the Acts of the Apostles. You'll be surprised. So many. So never think that. This is an assumption that you have made for yourself. And a lot of people have made that for themselves. It and it will limit you. Yeah. It will limit you. It's Never say that. Okay? So there's no there's nothing like that. There's so much power in our time now than that if anything, the power has increased. Yeah. Hallelujah. His third question too. His third question was that if the Holy Spirit was sent to give Christians a victorious life, why then then why is it that many are despondent and defeated? Who said many are this defeated, despondent and defeated. How many? How many, how many do you know are despondent and defeated? I am not. I am not. I'm certainly not. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Easy. So don't put those things in your mind. Get to the word of God and allow the word of God to work on your spirit. Let the word of God work on your heart. That's what is most important. Okay? Don't let other people's experience become your 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 philosophy in life yeah. allow the word of god to form and shape your mindset in life not even your own not even, your own. Yeah. Not even what you think yeah. okay let the word of god do that for you okay the holy spirit was given to us to give us a victorious life and i have a victorious life yeah. you know that's where faith comes in you may yeah. not be having a victorious life today but you don't say that with your mouth yeah say what you want to see what do you want to see I want to see victory all around me. The Bible says that whosoever is born of God. He didn't say, he didn't even say whosoever. He said whatsoever yeah. is born of God. Whatsoever is born of God. Overcometh the world. Overcometh. Then he says, and this is a victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Yeah. First John chapter 4, verse 5. 5 verse 4, rather. Do you see? So never, never think that, never think opposite to the word of God. Think in line with the word of God. What has the word of God said? Do you see? I have victory. Even if everybody is despondent with fear and is not having a victorious life, I have a victorious life. Why? Because the word of God has given me a victorious yeah. life. And I decide to agree with what God has said, not with what my emotions are saying to me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So be smart and, and uh, God bless you. I don't know if you have anything to add to it. Yeah. It, it's, it's a temptation that you have to really resist, you know. The temptation of... Uh, the Bible says that we walk by faith and not by sensory perception, not by sight. And faith is our response to the word of God. You know, just faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You should treat your relationship and the ministry of the word to you uh, uh, on a personal level. You know, it should be between you and the word. So if everybody is saying uh, things that are opposite to the word, even if, and Pastor has mentioned this throughout the series, even if let God be true and all men lies, including yourself. So the, the reason why we have the word is to let our lives conform to the word. Um, Romans chapter 12 from verse 2. 
speaks about renewing your mind. He says, and don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. So the word of God is for the salvation of our souls. He says that we should receive the engrafted word of God, which is able to save our souls. You know, so he said, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good, the acceptable, and the perfect will of God. The reason why we have the scriptures, the reason why these things were recorded was so that we have, we see a pattern, we see how our lives are supposed to be like. So as you look at it, it says that you, you change your mind, you change your mind, and as you change your mind concerning the things you read and the things you hear and the things you see, your life is transformed. So if you are not seeing what is happening what is in the word happening, happening in your you. in your life and around you mm-hmm. it is your responsibility to change your mind it mm-hmm. shows that your mind is not on what you are reading exactly so you get it so as you meditate pastor spoke about meditation during the series I, I think it's my favorite you know as you meditate and think on it your life is changed to suit what you are seeing and there are countless testimonies around you if you don't take care you should watch which news you are listening to and where you are getting your information from because understand that the world will not uh, broadcast the wonderful the things, things happening in the body of christ to you when when you yeah. when uh, a dog bites a human being yeah. it's not news at all but when a human being <laughs> bites a dog then Great it's news, news. that yeah. shows you so what you should news be very is. careful yeah mm-hmm. Okay, so look at this one from uh, from Quincy from Florida, USA. He says, "Is there a reason in the scriptures that point to why believers may not see results of exercising the authority in uh, on earth in faith?" So it's similar to it's yeah. similar to what we are we are we are ask, we are answering now. Yeah, do you see uh, why why am I not seeing results? I'm not seeing results because my mindset. You see, the word of God. If you read in Matthew chapter thirteen, there are there are various stages of the word. The word is sown successfully in your heart when you hear it. That's the truth. From Matthew chapter 13, from verse 18. It's the truth. It's, it comes, the word of God comes to you. It says, Hear ye therefore the power of the sower. Verse 19. When, when you, anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which receives seed by the wayside. So there are various places where you can receive the seed. He <laughs> says the first one is that the guy received it by the wayside. And for that guy, he did not understand what he had. He did not take time to understand what he had. After you've heard the word, you must take your time to understand exactly what has come to you. That is what we've been talking about all this while. Meditate on the word of God. Get the scriptures in. You see, Ken Hagen of Blessed Memory was talking about how that, uh, uh, there was a day his son was ill. You know, and he sat by him throughout the night reading scriptures on healing. Throughout the night, he says he will, he will read and pray and sleep and read and pray and sleep throughout the night trying to get faith coming by hearing and i think dr dr george mentioned it yeah. in the videos faith coming by hearing and hearing by the word of god not faith coming by having head it comes by hearing so you must hear it con- consistently and you must you must meditate on it consistently christianity is not a, it's not an easy way out the word of god is not an easy way out no if 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 you 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 can't just jump from here from Accra to America, okay. <laughs> Naturally speaking, then you shouldn't you shouldn't think that it is it is uh, you, you can just go from zero to hundred through the Not word of God level. just like that. Yeah. I don't know if I don't know if I'm making sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, it doesn't work like that. There are things you need to. There are processes you need to go through. Yeah. Yeah. It's a process. 
It's a process. So you can't ignore the process. You can't circumvent the process. You can't expect, don't expect things to happen when you've not allowed the word of God to enter. Yeah. The Bible says that uh, 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 if the clouds be full of rain, they empty themselves. When you put a, cup, a, back, a bucket of water under a tap and you put the tap on, the bucket does not get filled instantly. No, it takes a while for the bucket to be full. Do you see? Same thing. You need to, your heart needs to, needs to be filled with whatever it is that you're looking for. You make the declarations and then you see it working. Hallelujah. And it always, it always takes time through meditation for your heart to be filled with whatever it is that uh, <laughs> you have to uh, uh, confess. That's why I, I, I shared that, that particular it's message in the course of sharing concerning the believer's authority. Yeah. You see, because you may think that, oh, uh, I've heard it. Okay, so now I'm going to do whatever. No, take your time. You just heard it. Take your time. Get into it. Understand it some more. The one who produces fruits is the one who understood it. That is why he had fruits. That is why he had results. Hallelujah. I don't know if you want to add anything. You know, um, I think what most people have not done is to embark on a personal journey with God yeah. for themselves. Yeah. You know, these people sit around and they just hear what people are saying or sometimes what they observe around. Yeah. Huh? You see, but you should come to the place where only the word of God should inform you. Only the word of God should dictate to you what you should do. And that cannot just happen. You have to go on a journey with God. You have to, the Bible, you know, we have to go step by step. I get it. You have to allow God to order your steps in the Word of God. You see, thereby having a certain kind of relationship with God for yourself. Because when you have that relationship, then you can really know Him as He is, experience Him for who He is. Until you do that, you will not be able to relate with, you know, the Word of God as you are supposed to. You see, so it's very, very important to have a personal walk with God through his word and through the spirit. Because the Holy Ghost, if the Holy Ghost is informing you, or the word of God is informing you, you realize that you will not have to, you will not come to these questions. Because the word of God, what, some of these questions are inconsistent with the revelation of God's word. You see, so when you embark on God's journey, then you can, God's, God's word for yourself, you can have an experience for it. The Bible says that that which was from the beginning, mm. which we have heard, which we have seen, which we have handled, you see, you have to have this experience this is of the word of life, the logos of life. So when you have this experience, your language will be different. Your language will be consistent with what the word of God says. So I think it's really important people, you know, go all out personally. Sometimes people have external influences. Yeah. You see, so this information coming from other sources confuses them. You know, but if you are only educated by what the word of God is saying, then you will see what the word of God is saying. Until you pay attention to the word of God, you cannot experience it. You see, so most people ask these things because their attention is somewhere else. They get information from somewhere else. Because these things, you know, the word of God says different, contrary to what totally. Yeah. You know, so it's it's kind of interesting. There's a scripture. How, yeah. Proverbs chapter nineteen. Can read verse two and verse three. Um I think we should read message. It's very nice. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 2 and verse 3. It says, Ignorant zeal is worthless. Okay. And haste makes waste. Verse 3. People ruin their lives by their own stupidity. So why does God always get blamed? <laughs> now, this is what happens. Okay. I noticed when, Pastor, you were preaching... Uh, you were teaching us concerning meditation. I noticed, and I, I've been talking to some people, people in my house about it, that sometimes we hear wisdom instructs and we get the instruction. Then we decide to 
either treat it lightly or ignore it totally. And then when things do not go well, we come back and ask questions. But uh, especially from that message, I, I really came to that resolution that there is, there is no way around it. You know, there is no... If you are supposed to meditate on the scriptures, you know, sometimes we go for services, and I was talking about that, we glean lessons from the service, and then that is all. We don't make notes, we don't consider the scriptures, we don't, you don't listen to the message, you don't think about it, and then we expect it to work in a certain sense. But God has given us the blueprint concerning how these things work, you know. So the, the earlier you come to the acceptance of the fact that I am a believer, I am a Christian, this is how my life works. My life works by following what the things that God has written, the, the precepts, the, the, uh, what is in the word of God. My life is by the word of God. When you accept that, then you cancel out all other information, you know, vain philosophy. Uh, Paul talks about it in Colossians chapter 2. It doesn't help. It doesn't bring you anywhere. But if you follow the word of God, the way God has asked us to follow it, you will definitely see the results because it is inside, you know, the scripture pastor read in Matthew chapter 13, the one who understands will bear fruit. There is no room for um, error in it. If you understand it, it will bear fruit. So what you need to do is to make sure you understand it. And we've been taught, how are you going to understand it? By meditating on it. So until you have fulfilled all these things, you, you don't have... Um, you don't have a right, a to, right to doubt it mm-hmm. or to say anything yeah. in that sense. But then you notice that when you fulfill it, you notice that the fruit will come. Yeah. You notice Never that the always. Word works. It the always word of works. God always works. 100%. When there's a problem, it's not the word. It's on your side. What is it that I need to do that I'm not doing? Yeah. And most of the time, the answer to that particular question is that I have not meditated on this thing as much as I am supposed to. I'm not giving it the needed attention as I'm supposed to. That's all. That's the, that's the answer to that particular question. What it means is that you must go on a, a word diet. You must go on a journey with the word. That's what you need to do. There's no other way. There's no other way. If, there's, if you are falling short in any way, it's because you have not yet paid attention to it as much as you're supposed to. Hallelujah. Yeah. Search the scriptures. Stay on it. Think about it. And God will bless you. Now, there are some other questions here. Uh, this one is from Prince from Adenta. He says, I've been a porn and masturbation addict for years now. And it seems like I'm hooked to this stuff. Anytime I do it, I'll ask God for forgiveness and then go back into it again. And I've been doing this over and over again for years. Does this limit my chances of being blessed by God? And also, I feel I'm making a fool out of him, which is wrong. Will God forgive me? And also, why is it so hard to let this sexual sin go away? What are the spiritual implications also of this sexual sin? Because I have slept, because I've slept with four different hookup girls because I couldn't control my edge. Wow. So many questions in one. And I think there are so many questions along the same line. Let me read that. Let me read some some more. Um, please, I'd like you to explain Hebrews 10, 26 to 31. Is that scripture talking about apostasy? In case someone is born again but decides to live his or life anyhow and deliberately sins continuously, will that person make it to heaven or not? Then another question by another person uh, didn't send the name. He says, 
I'm 20 years old, was introduced to masturbation last year, and I've tried to stop, but still, I've given my life to God, but this feeling continues to come, continues to come, please, how do I stop this? Then, another question yet again, along the same line. I'm 17 years, and I slept, had intercourse with, a, with two young men. Anytime I try to come to church, I feel really bad. I have been told by one who brought me to church not to worry, so I should just focus on God by reading and meditating on the, on the Bible and move on. My question is, I engage in it again, and does it mean that I can't be part of the church again? I feel like not getting close to church again. Wow. Amazing. So there are several questions along the same lines. So many. I think I, I have about six more questions along the same line. But it has a similar theme. So I think we would, I'd want us to address it, you know, laterally speaking, so that we can, we can help everybody at once. Who wants to go first? <laughs> you know, um, yeah. I think um, this was answered, you know, last Wednesday mm-hmm. in a certain sense. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember last Wednesday, yeah. you were talking about walking in the spirit. That's true. You know, um, a lot of people have not really given attention to the word of God, mm-hmm. given attention to spiritual things. Mm-hmm. See, Christianity is spiritual. You see, there are people who want to live as Christians and worldly people at the same time. It mm-hmm. doesn't work like that. You see, if you're a Christian, you give attention to the things of God. You get it. I mean, I, I have people who don't want to, I know people who don't want to let some friends go. Yeah. You know, but these are very bad friends. They're influencing you negatively. They're influencing you negatively, but you still, it's like, it's as though uh, they, they are letting go of all the gold in Obwase. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it, they just don't want to let them go. And if you have such people around you, you should know that at least, you know, I heard somebody saying, you have 50%, your friends, you have 50% of their character. Wow. You get it. So if, if those people are around you, definitely you will start living a certain kind of habit. So it's about time to it's about time you change your friends, you become more focused with church, become more focused with the word of God, you become more focused with what is being taught, the word of God. If you give attention to the word of God, you give it right to influence you. You get it. You can't walk in the spirit. The Bible says that walk in the spirit, and so you that shall you shall not fulfill the last. Yeah, yeah, fulfill the last of the flesh. So it's it's as simple as that. You know, I remember one time you, you preach about fight to be spiritual. Yeah. It's a fight. You get it. You have to fight to be on that level. Mm-hmm. If you're a child of God, you are like a fish. You know, fish swim in water. Yeah. If you take the fish out of the water and put it mm-hmm. on the land, it will start to die. You get it. So, um, if you give your mind, the Bible says that to be carnally minded is death. If you give your mind to carnal things, to worldly things, they will influence you. And the aim of that is to put you down, destroy you. You get it. So, you have to start giving attention to spiritual things. Let all your attention be, go to spiritual things. The Bible says in Proverbs 4, it says that my son, attend to my words, incline than ears unto my saying. Keep them in the midst of than your eyes. It says, let them not depart from your, your Keep them in the midst in of your eyes. In the midst of your heart. Let them not depart from your eyes. Do you get it? So if you can have engage all your senses, see Christianity is is an is a total life. You see, you cannot be a part-time Christian. It's a total life. If you are in, you are in. Mm. You don't put one leg in and the other leg out. So if you go all in or all out for this, then you can have the full influence. But if part of you is in God and another part of you is enjoying the world, many people think that Christianity is not fun. 
if I give all my attention to church, I can't have fun, you know. So with this kind of two-phase life, you always have such problems, you know. And I'm sure that all the people who are having such difficulties have something they are committed to that is making them live that way. Maybe you have people, you know, boyfriends, occupy all those times with the things of God. I believe it's a simple, you know, way out, you know. Hallelujah. Yeah. Then, um, let, let's start from First Peter chapter 2, from verse 2. Mm. Um, it says, As newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Okay, verse 3. It says, If so be that you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. You know, it says that as newborn babes. Now, when you look through the scriptures, you see um, that it taught us the stages of growth. You see the fact that there is a gradation, there is a growth. There are little children. There is little children. Young there is men, young men. And their fathers. Their fathers. And in between, and there are so many. There are so many. We see babes here. You see Paul talking about um, it in First uh, Corinthians chapter three. Different, different. So groups. there are different groups Christians. of Christians. If you don't take care, you would end uh, Gal- Galatians chapter four. It says that the heir, as long as he remains yeah, a child, 4, 1. from verse one, the heir as now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differed nothing from a servant, though he be lord of all. And there was a day you were preaching, and it really stood out when you said, "As long as," and that means that you can stay a child forever. forever. Okay. Now, when you read in First John chapter two, from verse one, um, let's read that one too. It speaks about my little children, these things write I unto you, that you sin not. So you notice that sin is associated with the little, uh, the little ones. Now, the problem is that, as Pastor Ijin was saying, normally we decide to remain on the level that we are on forever. Yeah. You know, so you, you're a Christian, you go to church, but you don't want some kind of commitment to God and commitment to his word. That is the only way. You would have to grow out of these things. You know, you don't solve them sitting, uh, staying on the level that you are on. It doesn't work. It, it will go and come. The only way it is going to be solved is when you grow out of these things. You get it. And I, one of the major ways I believe this helps, this, uh, that you are going to conquer this, is through shepherding. You are reading Jeremiah chapter 3. Verse 15. Let's read that. You know, people don't want to be committed in church. People see pastors as, you know, anybody who preach is called a pastor. You know, he says, and I'll give you pastors according to my heart. We shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. This is what you need to grow. You need feeding. And I don't think that you eat once in a while. No, feeding connotes the idea of consistency. You know, constantly being given something, a certain information, a certain kind of understanding, a certain kind of idea. That is what grows us. That's what develops us. The consistency in the things we hear and the things we receive. So if, so what happens is that we go into sin, stay there for a long time. We feel bad enough. We run to God and then we get a certain short-term feeling of everything is okay. Then we lay back again and then expect everything to be fine. After a while, we notice that we've fallen into it again, and then it becomes a cycle. 
No, get yourself under a place where you are consistently cared for. So if you are in church, become committed. Get to know that this is my shepherd and start responding to shepherding consistently because it's something that you notice that you need help with. Because sometimes we can talk about speaking in tongues, but you notice that you need help. You need someone to be praying with you. You need someone to be reminding you of the things that has been taught. You need someone to teach you consistently. If you do that, it's, it's growth. It takes time. It's a process. But you notice that over a very short period, things are changing. Things are dropping consistently as you grow on. But if you are going to, if you are not going to be committed, you are going to be just uh, in the system, you go and come, go and come. It doesn't work, yeah. sincerely. Hallelujah. You know, one of the major things that um, will help you is to have proper understanding of what Jesus Christ has done for you and for, for myself. You must understand the fact that Christ died to take away sin. Sin has been taken away. Sin is not a problem any longer. Sin is not a problem. You have made sin a problem. But sin is not a problem at all. You see. The Bible lets us know in... Uh, let, let's read Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. At least let's start from there. Then we'll, we'll move on from there. He says, for he has made him to be sin who knew no sin. He's made Jesus to be sin who knew no sin. Okay? So that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So what he's saying is that Christ was made sin for us who knew no sin. He didn't know sin, but because of you and I, he was made the very embodiment of sin, the sin of Adam. There are different types of sins. I think I mentioned this some time ago. There are different kinds of sins. There's, there are three types of sins. The first one is... Uh, uh, the sin, there are two types of sins, rather. The first one is the sin that leads to death. And the second one is the sin that does not lead to death. Okay? If you read in First John chapter, chapter 5, you see the First John 5, verse uh, 16. Let's read First John 5, 16. If any man sees his brother sin a sin which is not unto death, he shall ask, and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. There's a sin unto death. I do not say that he shall pray for it. Verse 17. All unrighteousness is sin, and there's a sin not unto death. You see, so two, two sins, one that is unto death, one that is not unto death. Now, the one that is unto death is what Adam did. Adam committed high treason. The nature of sin that is put in every single man who is born of a woman. As long as you are born of a woman, there's sin inside you. Because of what Adam did. What Adam did was imputed unto all men. The Bible says that for all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. Why? Because one man sinned. All men fell, fell short of the glory of God because of one man. His name is Adam. If you read in Romans chapter 5, you see some there. Romans chapter 5, verse, let's read verse 14. Romans 5, 14. It says, nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression. Who is the figure of him that was to come? Verse 15. But not as offense, so also is a free gift. For if through the offense of one, many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ is abounded unto many. I don't know if you're catching what I'm saying now. 
It says that one man's offense passed upon all. Next verse, verse, verse 16. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. Verse 17. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, how much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness, they shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Verse 19. Go to verse 19. Jump to verse 90. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. Many were made sinners because of one man's... That's what I want you to see. Because of one man's disobedience, many people were made sinners. All men were made sinners because of one man. His name is Adam. Okay? And that sin is what leads to death. What, there are different types of death. There are three types of death. There's, a, there's, a, there's spiritual death, first of all. Then there's physical death. And then there's eternal death. Okay, what Adam did led to spiritual death. So, every man born of a woman is spiritually separated from God. Death is absence of life. Guess who life is? God is life. So, death is to be to be to death is to be taken away from from God. You see, so all men born of women have sin dwelling in them, and Jesus came to come and deal with that sin that is dwelling in them with. Every other sin that it comes with, with the fruit, the other type of sin is a fruit of sin, which is a sin that does not lead to death. The fruit of sin, the tree, the seed, and the tree of sin, plus its fruits, have all been dealt with by Christ. So, in God's eye, so long as you are born again, you are not a sinner. You are now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Stop seeing yourself as a sinner. In First Corinthians chapter six, verse nine. Look at First Corinthians chapter six, verse nine. It's knowing not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves of mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortionists shall inherit the kingdom of God. Do you agree with that? Yeah. They shall not inherit the kingdom of God. If you read and you stop there, you think that that's it. I'm a fornicator. I'm an extortioner. I'm an adulterer. I did this. I'm a, I'm a porn addict. I did that. I did that. So... God is not happy with me, whatever. The next verse says that. And such were some of you. And such were. This was how you wore. You, you were some time ago. It's past tense. And such were some of you. But ye are washed. Currently, God sees you as a washed one. Currently, God sees you as a sanctified one. He says, but ye are washed. But ye are sanctified. But ye are justified. All these are past tense. Ye are washed. You are sanctified. You are justified. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And by the Spirit of our God. The Holy Spirit has perfected you. He has taken you away from sin. He has brought you into life. You are now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So sin is not a problem anymore. That's what I want you to understand. Sin is, are you born again? If you are born again, if you are truly a child of God. Unless you are just a professing Christian. And not a real Christian. There are a lot of people in the in the church who are actually not Christians because they've never given their lives to Christ. They were born in the church and they have grown in the church, but they have never believed, like we said on Wednesday, they have never believed in Jesus Christ, the Lord, the personal Savior, and they have never confessed Him, confessed His Lordship over their lives. They have never believed the fact that He was He, he died and that He was raised on the third day and that He ascended to the heavens. They've never believed that and they've never confessed that for themselves. You've been in the church just performing the rituals. That is not good enough. You are just a professing Christian. You are identified with Christians, but you are actually not a Christian. You've never had eternal life being placed into your spirit. You need to receive Christ for yourself. That's so important. If you have done that, then brother, you have been taken. Sin has been dealt with. He was made sin who knew no sin. So that we might be made the righteous of God in Christ Jesus. Understanding your salvation is so important. It makes all the difference. 
It makes all the difference. If you understand what has happened to you, you'll be surprised at how your life, how different your life will be. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we are not sinners. You are not a sinner. Romans 3.23 does not apply to you. A lot of people quote that particular scripture referring to themselves. It's not for Christians. If you're a child of God, Romans 3.23 is not for you. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Has nothing to do with Christians. You didn't read the Bible well. Go to verse 20. So I read it from verse 20 for you. Romans 3.20. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. It says, by the doings of the law, the law of Moses, no flesh shall be justified. Nobody shall be declared not guilty or righteous before God's sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. In other words, the law tells you, thou shalt not commit this. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not commit adultery. When it tells you thou shalt not commit adultery, it has put adultery in your mind. It says that by the law is the knowledge of sin. When the law gives you something and information, it's giving you knowledge of sin. Do you see? Next verse, verse 21. Then it says, but now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. It says there's a righteousness that has been made manifest, has, has come now, which is spoken of by the law and the prophets. The law spoke about it. That is the, 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 the book of Moses, the five books of Moses, and all the things that was written in the Old Testament spoke about this particular righteousness, which was to be revealed. Next verse. Then it says, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ. This righteousness is imparted to your spirit by faith of Jesus Christ. If you believe in Jesus Christ, like I'm telling you now, you are made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Unto all and upon all them that believe. For there's no difference. Why is he talking like this? He's talking like this because if you read from verse 1, you will see he was talking about the Jews and the Gentiles. The Jews felt that they were better than the Gentiles because they had the law. And the Gentiles felt that God didn't like them because they didn't have the law. But both of them, the Bible said the law is given so that God can conclude all men under sin. He says there's no difference between the Jew and the, and the Gentile. Why? Why is there no difference between the Jew and the Gentile? Because all have sinned. The word for is the same as the word because. So I can say because all have That's the next verse, verse 23. Because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Who are the all that have sinned? Jews and Gentiles have all sinned. Not Christians. Hallelujah. So when you believe, you are you are imparted with the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Next verse, verse 24. Being justified. Can you imagine? Being just, the word, the word justified means to declare not guilty or to declare righteous. Being declared not guilty freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. There's redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Next verse, verse 25. Whom God has set forth. God has set Jesus forth to be a propitiation through the faith in his blood. You see, through faith in his blood, he set Jesus for to be a propitiation. What's a propitiation? Propitiation is mercy seat. Because of Jesus, all of humanity has been forgiven. So we are not sinners. I'm not a sinner. I'm not a porn addict. I'm not a masturbator. I'm, not, I'm none of those things. I'm not any of these things. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Now, the more you agree with what God has done for you, the more these things live your life. You see, because you are, you are conscious of sin. You are born again, but you are conscious of sin. And what you are conscious of is what you become. That's what he's talking about. Yeah. If you are con- what you are giving attention to is what you produce. If you give your attention to the fact that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, the fact that God, God loves you, you'll be surprised at what will be happening in your life. You will forget that you, you used to masturbate even. You forget about pornography. You forget about all those things. You see that your mind is filled with the word of God. Your mind is filled with the fact of God's word. Hallelujah. So we are not sinners any longer. Always remember that. I'm not a sinner. 
And sin is not a problem. I can always say no. You can always say no. It's not a problem at all. Before you got born again, you couldn't have said no. Why? Because a seed of sin was inside you. So you couldn't but bear the fruit of sin. Now that you are born again, the seed of God is inside you. So in 1 John chapter 3, verse 9, look at 1 John 3, 9. Something very remarkable is said there. 1 John 3, 9. It says, whosoever is born of God does not commit sin. Why? For his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. Are you born of God? Yeah. To be born again means to be born of God. That's what it means. It says, whosoever is born of God does not commit sin. Now, why are you still doing foolish things? And doing, because you've forgotten that you are born of God. You don't know that you are born of God. You don't understand that you're born of God. If you understood that you're born of God, you would know that the seed of God is inside you. And now it is natural for you to bear the fruits of righteousness. It is natural for you to bear the fruits of God. It is natural. It is consistent with your nature to do the right thing. It is consistent with your nature to say no to sin. Why? Because now you don't have a relationship with sin any longer. So in Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 6, go to Romans chapter 6. I wish you could read the whole thing. So start, start off by believing the word of God. Believe what God. Maybe you don't know what I'm talking about. You don't, you've not known these things that I'm saying now. Get, get the word of God concerning these things. Search for it. Okay? Search for it. Get to know what God has done for you. you do you know that you can live without sin? You can go without sinning. You can live without any of these problems. You can go for months without masturbating, I tell you. You can go for months without sleeping with anybody. For years without sleeping with anybody. Yeah, it's possible. Why not? Yeah. As a child of God, are you born again? If you are born again, that is, that is what God has created you for. Hallelujah. Oh, I, I don't know whether we should read from verse 1. Let's, let's read from... Uh, let's read from verse 8. He says, now, if we be dead with Christ, do you believe that you are dead with Christ? We, we are dead with Christ. He says, we believe that we shall also live with him. Do we live with him now? Yeah. We'll live with him now. Because we are born again. Next verse. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead, died no more. Death has no more dominion over him. Have we been raised from the dead with Christ? Yeah. So it means that we don't have to die. Yeah. <laughs> Next verse. Let me not talk about these things. For in that he died, in that Christ died, he died unto sin once. Do you believe that Christ died? Yeah. If he died, then he died unto sin what? once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Is Christ alive? Yes. Christ is alive. Who is he living unto? He's living unto God. Next verse. Then he says, likewise. Reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. This is the problem. A lot of us don't think that we are dead indeed unto sin. A lot of us think that, oh, that's what sin did. Say sin, dear. You can't do anything about it. You have to do something wrong. No matter what you do, you will sin. That is the problem. That is why you are doing. You are still doing what you are doing. It's not true. Message version of this verse. Let's read the message version. From now on, think of it this way: Sin speaks a dead language that means nothing to you. Think this way. Have you seen it? Think this way. Think of it this way. Sin speaks a, a dead language that means nothing to you. God speaks your mother tongue. 
and you hang on every word. You are dead to sin and alive to God. That's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus You are dead to sin and you are now alive to God. This is what Jesus came to do. Think of it this way. You see, so you, when we say meditate on the word, this is what we are talking about. Meditate on these things. Get these things into your, into, your, into your heart. Let them settle in your heart. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. What you are thinking in your heart, in your heart is what makes you. Because you think that I can't break off these things. I can't, I can't help myself. I keep doing it. Why are you still doing it? You are still doing it because your mind is on it. Your mind is on it. You, you, it's like I can't help myself. It's not true. You can't help yourself. Now you're a child of God. You don't bear the seed. You don't have the seed of sin in you anymore. You have the seed of righteousness in you. And it is now natural for you to bear the fruit of righteousness. So the next verse, verse 12. Romans chapter 6, verse 12. Oh, hallelujah. I don't know if you are learning anything. Look at this. It says, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. As though you have power against it. It says, you don't let it reign in your mortal body. Why? Because now you have power. You have power. You can say no. You can say no pornography. We are not watching it. We are listening to a message. Yeah. We are going to listen to a message. You see, this, this is how to cure all habits. Whether it's pornography or masturbation is a habit. Smoking is a habit. All these things are habits. They are things that is called the works of the flesh. They are things that your flesh gets into. Do you see? There are things that your flesh gets into. Now, you can cut your flesh from getting it. Go, go to John chapter, James chapter 1. Let me show you a scripture in James chapter 1. Let me show you how these things work. You know, and what you can do. God has not left us in the shadows. Okay? Let's read from verse 13. Let no man say when he's tempted, I am tempted of God. Now that you're born again, the issue you have now is temptation. You are a child of God. Accept that you are a child of God. You see, before you became born again, you didn't mind. You could do all kinds of things. Or would, would you have even bothered about sending a message, a, a, a text, a question that I have a problem with this. I need help. That shows that you are born again. They are, I know people who are doing all kinds of things. They don't have questions concerning whether what they are doing is wrong or right. I mean, they don't care. An arm robber does not think about it when he kills somebody. No, he doesn't. But you can't. It shows who you are now. It shows that you're a child of God. You are truly a child of God. You are truly born again. Now, the problem is that you don't understand what has happened to you yet. That is why your life is not going the way the word of God says you should go. You don't understand yet. What are you going to do now? You have to find out. You have to get understanding. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. Isn't it? Then it says, in all that getting... Get understanding. You need understanding so that you can live the way God wants you to live. So he says, let no man say when he's tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil. Neither tempted he any man. Verse 14. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Of his own lust and enticed. Next verse. Then when lust has conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Verse 16. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Wow. Don't, call, don't err. This is how it is. Don't err, my beloved brethren. Then it goes on to say that what's all good thing? For every good thing, every good and perfect, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from heaven, from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. What God has said, he has said. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It says, every man is tempted when he's drawn away by his own 
Last. Verse 13. Verse 13. Let, verse 14, rather. Go to verse 14. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Of his own lust and enticed. How do you curb and cut the lust off? By walking in the spirit. By knowing exactly what God has done. And what God has made you. And agreeing with it. I'm a child of God. You say so many times. I'm a child of God. I'm not a sinner. I'm a child of God. This is not my life. I'm a child of God. You see, and the more you do that, the more you are resisting the devil. The Bible says, resist the devil and he shall flee from you. The more you say that, the more you confess who you are in Christ. The more you confess what you have become. The more you push these things away from you. Because sometimes these things are, you are influenced by evil spirits. The evil spirits that are around you. That try to, you know, bring thoughts to your mind and subject you to all, suppress you with all kinds of things. But as you confess these things for yourself, as you, as you establish the truth concerning who you are, they start leaving you. And your mind starts changing. And your resolve starts changing. You see that the masturbation is gone. You've gone for days. This is not a new problem. I mean, we've heard this thing so many times. And we had so many testimonies along that line. Yeah, it's not a problem at all. It's a challenge now for you because you've forgotten who you are. You've forgotten what God has done. Even though you don't have the seed of sin inside you, you think you have the seed of sin inside you, and you think that you can't help yourself. He says, let not sin reign in your mortal body. Let it not reign in your... Go back to that place, Romans chapter 6, verse, verse 12 now. You now don't let sin reign in your mortal body. But you can say, no, no, I'm not going to do this. No, I'm not going to sleep with this girl. You can get scholarship, like whatever. No, I'm not going to do it. Why? Why am I not going? Why am I? Why am I not going to? Because I'm a child of God. I don't go this way. This is not consistent with my nature. This is not. The more you insist on it, the more liberty you have. Wow. Yeah. Let nothing therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the last thereof. Do you see? Yeah. Obey sin in the last thereof. Last thereof. Like it's coming. Yeah. You are not the only one who feels. Those things who have those who are no, they are not everybody has those things. So many as long as you are in the world, you have all kinds of thoughts come into your mind. But when the thoughts come, it doesn't mean that they should stay with you, and it doesn't mean that they should conceive you should conceive that last and then progress to sin for that sin to lead you to all kinds of things. No, no, you can cut the process. I showed the process in James chapter chapter one. You can cut that process by insisting on who you are, always remembering who you are. I'm different. I'm a child of God. Let not sin therefore in your mortal body that you should obey it in the last day of. Next verse, verse, verse 13. Then it says, Neither yield your members, yield your members or your body as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. So now it's a choice. You can yield your, your body as, as, a, as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. Then it says, But yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead. And your members or your body as instruments of righteousness unto God. So my body is an instrument of righteousness unto God. So you are sitting down in, in the night. It's 11 p.m. And you are with your phone. And as you are with your phone, a thought just comes to your mind. Pa- Go to www.x.com. What do you do? I'm a child of I'm God. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Get out of my mind. I will rather read my Bible. Or do something profitable, then I would rather yield my members as instruments of righteousness unto God. So, what can you do? Let's speak in tongues. It's a thought that came. How many of you allow 
You see, birds always fly on top of our heads. Yeah. But how many of you allow birds to make a nest on top of your head? Mm, that's strange. That's strange. You don't allow a bird to make a nest on top of your head. The fact that a thought flew through your mind does not mean that you should fulfill it. Yeah. No. Thoughts fly through our minds. All the time. But it's not a sin for a thought to come to your mind. It's not a sin at all. It's not a sin for a thought to come to your mind. As for thoughts, they come. It's the, it's the weapon of the devil. He throws thoughts. Noema. He says, we are not ignorant of the devices of the devil. Yeah. The word devices there is... Thoughts. Yeah. Thought. He throws thoughts into our minds. Well, what are you going to do about those thoughts when they come? You refute them by the power of the Holy Ghost. The Bible says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imagination. So you cast those imaginations down. That's what you need to do. As long as you are not doing this, you will go for a long time doing all kinds of foolish things, and you end up in trouble one of these days. You, that's, that's the aim of the devil, to put you in trouble, to get you behind bars. To get you to kill somebody. You impregnate someone's daughter. She goes to do the abortion. She dies. And everybody gets to know that it was you who impregnated her. The parents will sue you. You go to prison. Your life has ended. Condemnation. Condemnation. To bring you more condemnation. And all of that. To take you to a club. You are jamming. You, you boost more. As you are driving home. You get an accident. And that's the end of your life. That's the devil's aim for you. What are you going to do about it? God has done all that he needs to do in Christ for you. Now it's up to you to do something about it. Since let not sin therefore reign your mortal body. And such were some of you. But ye are washed. I'm washed. I'm washed. So you focus on that. I'm washed. I'm the washed child of God. I cannot go along this line. This is not my life. I'm a life builder. I'm not a life destroyer. I build lives. I don't destroy lives. No matter the opportunities that you have to do all kinds of foolish things. You remember that I'm a child of God. I'm the righteousness of God. I'm, I, I bear the fruits of love, the fruits of joy, the fruits of greatness, the fruits of kindness and, 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 and temperance, not, not the fruits of destruction. Yeah. I'm not a, a, a porn addict. I'm not, and no matter how many times you fall, now you may be confessing like this, and then you, you stumble again. It happens again. And so what? Remember, you are not a sinner. You are a child of God. You were tempted and you fell. Don't worry. Keep saying what you are supposed to say. Fight. It's a fight. You may, I mean, you may go down. Makes no difference. Makes no difference. Maybe you realize that for one week, two weeks, if not. I had, I had uh, someone who said he was, he was always masturbating every night. Every night. Every night. And you, you know, that, that is virtue leaving you. Yeah. Every night he was masturbating. Every night. He, did it. he couldn't wake up early. He couldn't do all kinds of things. Almost every night he was masturbating. Then he started hearing these things. Within a week, he didn't masturbate. He was shocked. He was surprised. The next week, he fell. He had some problems coming. Makes no difference. I told him, don't worry about it. Let's go. Let's go on. Yeah. I know a lot of young men who, have, who were very powerful in the Lord and could have done so much for the Lord, but went back to all kinds of things and did not focus on God anymore because they had challenges along these lines. Never let this be a problem. Never let it stop you. Christ died for you. That is what's most important. Never let any of these things stop you. Keep going. Keep studying for it. Even if you go for three months and something happens, don't, don't beat yourself. Remember, you went for three months. How about that? You went for three months. What is the problem now that you have had a problem? Now, make some difference. Rise up and continue. The righteous man falleth seven times and he rises. Makes no difference. Just let's keep going. Let's keep doing what God wants us to do. And you'll be surprised that you can go for many, 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 many years without having that problem anymore in your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So don't be depressed, okay? God loves you. 
Focus on God's love and watch your life go forward in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, Pastor, um, yeah. I think in the in the question, someone said that uh, he doesn't want to go back to church again mm. because yeah, yeah. I think that one has to be addressed. Yes, um, in the sense that you know, apart from the church, there's no hope anywhere else. Mm. You get it. So you should even run to the church. Yeah, you, know, you should have a pastor like Pastor Kobe was saying who should because the Bible says that the church is a pillar and the ground of truth. And it's only the truth that will set you free or yeah. make you free. So without yeah. the, the truth, you cannot be free. And the only place you can find truth is the church, you see. So you need to go to church, be committed, and allow the word of God to instruct you from your pastor or your man of God. I think if you can go through this process, you'll be fine. So the church, not going to church is not an option. At all. You should run to church. You oh. should be part of it. Someone says, uh, Pastor, please. Is it right? Uh, uh, sorry, uh, my pastor. My question is: If someone is born again and go back to sin, how can the person forgive his or herself and ask for forgiveness from God? This is from Wendy. First John one nine. Mm-hmm. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of all our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Matter of fact, God has forgiven you. Just appropriate that forgiveness for yourself. Okay, that's what you need to do. Confess your sin. God, like I said, sin is not a problem. Christ died. That is what Christ died for. Or yeah. that's what Christ. Yeah. People don't go to hell because of what they do or do not do. Hey. Did you hear what I said? Yeah. People don't go to hell because of what they do or do not do. People go to hell because of one thing. Because they did not believe in Jesus Christ. That's all. They rejected Jesus. John chapter 3 verse 16. You read it, but you never read verse 17. Today I'm going to read it to you. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish. If you believe in him, he says you should not perish. So you are not going to hell. If you believe in him, you are not going to hell at all. Does that make sense for you? You are not going to hell at all. Keep your finger here. Go to John chapter 10. Let's read verse 26. John 10.26. You see, if you don't, if you are not secured in salvation, you will ask a, a lot of questions. Along this line. Along these lines, and even along rapture lines, we are going to. There are some questions along the lines of rapture. People are wondering, Am I going to go? Am I not going to go? I'll show you. He says, But you believe not because you are not of my sheep. This is Jesus talking, John 10 26. As I said unto you, next verse, verse 27, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Next verse, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. They shall never perish. Let's read. The, the Amplified. The Amplified is nice. Verse 28. And I give them eternal I give my sheep eternal life, and they shall never lose it or perish throughout the ages. To all eternity, they shall never by any means be destroyed, and no one is able to snatch them out of my hand. They shall never by any means be destroyed to all eternity, throughout all the ages. Can you imagine? So if you are born again, if you've done that particular thing, brother, you have been set on a different platform altogether. Altogether. Makes no difference what you do or do not do. What you do or do not do will not affect that. Hey. <laughs> Someone says, hey, then it means I can do whatever I want to do. Oh, no. Then it means that you don't understand what has happened to you. You're actually not born again. If you understand what, how much you've forgiven, you've been forgiven, you love much. You will love the Lord if you understood what, has, what he has done for you. If you understand what he did for you, how he suffered on the cross for you, how he saved you from hell, the different aspects of the land of the dead. There are six different chambers in the land of the dead. He's taken you from everything and has brought you to heaven. 
and now you say you are going to do whatever you want to do. No. Paul said the love of Christ constrained us. For with that's judged that if one man died, then we're all dead. If he died, those of us who are alive should no longer live unto ourselves, but to live for him that died and rose again. So if you understand what he has done for you, you will not live for yourself anymore. You will not be doing all kinds of things. You are doing all kinds of things because you don't understand what he did. Yeah. If you understood what he did, you will love him a lot. You will live differently. You will live differently. Do yeah. you see? So, John 3.16 says, for, for God's love, that is why he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but should have everlasting life. Should have everlasting life. So, we now have everlasting life. Next verse, verse 17. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He wants the whole world to be saved. Next verse, verse 18. He that believeth on him is not condemned. The word condemned is judged. He that believeth on him is not judged. You cannot be judged. You cannot be brought into condemnation. But he that believeth not is condemned already. Wow. Why? Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. This is why people go to hell. Wow. This is why people go to hell. Wow. John chapter 16, verse, verse 7. Yeah. Jesus said that it is more expedient for you that I go away. If I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Verse 8. And when he is come, he, the Holy Spirit, will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Verse 9. Of sin because they believe not on me. So there's only one sin as far as God is concerned. They don't believe on me. They don't believe in my son. Message. Message yeah. of this verse. Yeah. He will show them that their refusal to believe in me is their basic sin. This is the basic sin. This is it. This is the problem. This is the problem. So people go to hell because they don't believe in Jesus. Not because they did something. Not because they killed somebody. Not because they, they committed fornication or adultery. No, that's not the reason. They go to hell because they don't believe in Jesus. But you now believe in Jesus. So it means that you're not going to hell. The sin that will take you to hell has been dealt with. Including all the fruits of that sin. Of not believing in him. Which includes fornication, adultery, and all the things you can think about. So now that you have been taken away from all of that. What are you going to do about it? I'm different. I'm not, I'm not like this. This is not me. So if you are tempted. And every Christian is tempted. Yeah. Christians don't go out to do things. They are tempted. Or there's an influence that causes them to do things. So what are you going to do about it? When you are tempted, you say no. When the influence is coming, you rebuke that influence in Jesus' name. And you'll be fine. you find that you can live the righteousness that God has given to you. You can live as a righteous person. As a wonderful person. As one who is full of good works. Because that's what God has created us unto. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's what you need to do. And you'll be fine. Every single thing will be fine. Just confess your sin. And he'll forgive you. Stand up once again. Go to church. Be in the house of God. Hear the word of God. Renew your mind some more. You are doing all those foolish things because your mind is not renewed. Because your mind, you don't know. You don't know what you have become. And God will honor you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Someone says, Pastor, please, is it right that you tell any unbeliever, give your life to Christ, or I want you to receive Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, when you want someone to repent from his evil ways? Maoli from O. Both are correct. In Jesus' name, amen. Hmm. So many questions.
Someone just asked about fights. Uh, I think you sent it on, on Wednesday. Gloria, you live in Lebanon. You said, my, my question is, how can you know the specific amount as an individual to pay as his or her fight? 10% of whatever income you have. Okay, not your business capital. Don't tight on your business capital. Tight on the profit of your yeah. business. Not yeah. on your business. If you tighten your business capital, every month the business, the money will finish. Yeah. We don't do that. Okay. So it's just one ten percent. If it's five hundred Ghana cities or five hundred dollars, you give fifty dollars. Yeah. That's ten percent of five hundred dollars. Hallelujah. Then you ask another question. If uh, if one being Christ is a new creature, so if he or she opens his heart and confess he will be forgiven. Now come I'm coming to the main question now. <laughs> All of that is part of your question. What if the person died without being baptized? Would the person be able to inherit the kingdom of God? Another person also asked a question similar to this about baptism. Yeah. Um, um I'm trying to remember. Uh where are you? I can't find your question. But someone else asked along. Is it, is it necessary? Oh, I just saw it. So it is necessary to be baptized mm-hmm. or believing is the main thing. Mm. I just saw Yeah, it. I think that we should answer that scary. briefly. We have some more minutes, so we can answer that. Is baptism important? Pastor Kobe. Hallelujah. I think baptism is very, very important. Uh, so we see it in Mark chapter, Mark chapter 16, verse 15. Um, when Jesus, he says, and he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Next verse, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. So um, concerning the first one where yeah, she was trying to find out if you are going to go to hell if you are not baptized. From this scripture, you notice that he mentions that the one who believes and is baptized shall be saved. The one who does not believe shall be damned. You know, what brings you into condemnation is not believing. From the scripture, um, John 3, 17, 18. Can we go there? John chapter 3. 16, 17, 18. It says, For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Next verse. It says, He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he, the one who does not believe, he that believeth not is condemned already. So what condemns you is you not believing, not you not being baptized. Now, that does not mean that baptism is not important. Baptism is very, very important. It, says, it signifies you... Um, your, 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 your identification with Christ. You know, so as you go into the water, it signifies the fact that you died with Him. As you come out of the water, it signifies the fact that you were raised back to life with Him. And that is a way of testifying that your dealings with the flesh, your dealings with the world, has ended. And it is a very, very powerful thing. We see it concerning Jesus in the book of Luke. The Bible says that Jesus came to be baptized. He came praying. And as he was baptized, the Bible talks about the fact that the Holy Spirit came and descended upon him. 
So baptism is highly important. It's part of the things Jesus has asked that we do as our testimony to the world and even to ourselves that we are no longer part of the world, but we are children of God. But it doesn't mean that... That's not what takes you to heaven or not. No, it doesn't mean that you are condemned if you don't baptize. If you got got born again in the desert and and you're going to die and there was no water to be baptized, you will not not go to hell, you go to heaven. Okay, so the main thing is to give your life to Christ, is to confess his, believe and confess his lordship over your life. Believe the fact that he was raised from the dead, like we've been saying all this while. It's so important you do this particular thing because that is what, that is the grace of God. That is what links you to everything. Yeah. Without that, nothing can happen. You see, so it's very, very important. So um, baptism is very important. It's very, very important. It cannot be downplayed in any way. It's an outward declaration of what has happened inwardly. It's a declaration outwardly of what has happened yeah. inwardly. You know, the children of Israel uh, left Israel, what left Egypt. They were taken away from Egypt. Okay, that signifies Pharaoh is a type. There's something called typology in 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 theology. Pharaoh is a type of Satan. Egypt is a type of the world. Moses is a type of Christ, yeah. and Israel is a type of the church. Yeah. Now Moses came to come and take Israel out of Egypt. We took them out of the world and out out of the bondage of Satan. But when they left Egypt. Pharaoh was still following them. Pharaoh followed them up until they got to the Red Sea. When they went through the Red Sea, Pharaoh trying to go through the Red Sea was swallowed up. So there are some things that you've left the world but are still chasing you. You need to be baptized. You've left the world. You've, you, you, you are born again now. You've left the world. But then you see that it's like you can't stop doing something. You can't stop listening to some song. You can't stop doing something. Baptism can help you. Yeah. Hallelujah. <laughs> to take away all those things so that you can be. You can come out a new man. So it's not just, it's a spiritual thing. You can have, you can have a vision of what God has sent you to do. Because when yeah. Jesus was baptized in water, yeah. had, now John's baptism is different from baptism after you believe in Jesus yeah. Christ. It's not the same. John's baptism is different from the kind of water baptism we have. Yeah. They are two different things altogether. Hallelujah. So this one that we are talking about is an outward expression of what has happened inwardly. Because when you are put into the water, it's a sign that you were buried with Christ. When you are brought out of the water, it's a sign that you have been resurrected yeah. with Christ. So in First Peter chapter 3, verse 21, yeah. let me read from verse 20. First Peter 3, 20 says, Which some time were disobedient, uh, when once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. Then it says, The like figure were unto even baptism doth also now save us. Not the putting away of the filth of the flesh. He says, baptism is not about bathing. But the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I don't know if we can read another version. So it helps us. The, and baptism, which is a figure of their deliverance, does now also save you from inward questionings and fears. Not by the removing of outward body filth, bathing, but by providing you with the answer of a good and clear conscience inward cleanness and peace before God because you are demonstrating what you believe to be yours yeah. through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So this is what that baptism does for you. As simple as ABCD. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. There are more questions, so I think we should, we should go on. Let's rush through a little. We have about uh, some 15 minutes more, so we can just answer a few. Um, there are some questions along the lines of uh, faith and hope and all of that. So let me let me just uh, okay. This is 
This is interesting. Is this, these are my questions. I have ovarian cancer. This is from Takwade. Uh, it says, I have ovarian cancer. Can the pastor pay for my hospital bills so that I will be cured? Two, I have pelvic inflammatory disease. Can the pastor heal me? I have urinary tract tract infection. Can the pastor heal me? I'm wondering which pastor is, talk, is talking about. Is it, <laughs> is it us? Is it me you're talking about? Or is someone else? And is it one person? Is it, this? Yes, it's one person. Wow. I have ovarian, ovarian cancer. Can the pastor pay for my hospital bills so that I will be cured? I'm wondering if you're talking about your pastor. Do you go to church? Or you're talking about me? The one talking to you online? Because I'm, I'm just meeting you online. Yeah. And I don't know you personally. Yeah. Do you see? You have to be. That is why you have to be in the house of God. Yeah. The Bible says in, 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 in Romans chapter 12, verse 13. Let's look yeah. at Romans 12, 13. Very important. Romans 12, 13. Distributing to the necessity of sins, giving to hospitality. Let's, let's read like the Amplified. Contribute to the needs of God's people, sharing in the necessity of the saints. Pursue the practice of hospitality. So God lets us know that in the house of God, we must contribute to the needs of God's people. So as a church, if you come to our church, if you are in our church, if you are a member of our church, we help you to do various things. If there's a sickness, there's a disease and we can contribute to it, we'll contribute to it and do what you're supposed to do for you. Yeah. Apart from praying for you, of course, we're supposed to pray for you. That is the primary job of the church. The, the church has a spiritual ministry towards its members yeah. before it has a physical ministry towards its members. And it does have a physical ministry towards its members. Yeah. We pay school fees. Plenty. We do all kinds of things. <laughs> we pay for hospital. I mean, someone went to the hospital yeah. practically dead. You know, she had a problem and she was taken to the hospital practically. We handle everything for the person. Why? Because the person is part of us. Now, which church do you belong? That's the question. Yeah. Which church do you belong to? If you belong to a church, it's a responsibility they have towards you to help you to for, with your hospital bills and all of that. Yeah. But that is not the primary thing. The primary thing is for them to pray for for the pastor to pray for your healing. Then they can go to the next level of helping you. If you read in Galatians chapter chapter six, yeah, you see a similar thing written over there. Very important question. Very, very important. You know, Galatians chapter six. Uh, let's read from verse nine. It says, "And let us not be weary in well doing, for in due season we shall reap if if we faint not." As we have therefore opportunity, let us go, do good unto all men, especially. especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Isn't it? Especially of the of those who have the household of faith. That is of the church. It says you should do good to them. So it is a responsibility of the church to do something good for you. Now the question is, are you in a church? If you are not in a church, whose offering do you expect to be used to come and help you? <laughs> do you, I don't know if, if I'm making yeah, sense. Whose offering scary. do you expect to be come and used yeah. to help you? You have to be in a church. You have to be in a with the body of believers. Yeah. And then they can help you as they're yeah. supposed to. Of course, I can do something for you. Yeah. Of course, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. It's not a problem at all. The Bible says to remember those who are in need. Yeah. So we are committed to doing that. Okay? But Jesus said the poor you shall always have amongst you. Yeah. So the church is not established to clean poverty. No, yeah. that's not what it's there for. The church is established to help the poor to get to know Christ and to rise up in what and train them in Christian doctrine and help them prosper. Yeah. Not by doling up money. That is not the church's primary objective. Nobody has been reached that way. It doesn't work that way. Okay? We have to help you. We have to we can do something for you. There's nothing wrong. But what I'm trying to say is that which church do you belong to? And uh have you spoken to your pastor about what you are going through? Yeah. If you have, what have they done for you? If they have not done anything for you, then 
we can talk in a certain way. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Uh-huh. So um, it's a good question, but you must have proper understanding. Yeah. Okay? And we can pray for you online. Why not? We can pray for you. And it will work. There's nothing wrong with that. We can pray for you. I have pelvic inflammatory disease. Can the pastor heal me? It's not about whether the pastor can heal you. It's about whether you have faith to be healed. Yeah. You see, Jesus always, there, was, there were two blind men who followed Jesus throughout town, talking to him and calling him, Master, do something for us. He didn't mind them. Can you imagine two blind men following a man who is not blind moving? They struggled throughout town to try and locate him. And when Jesus got to his house, he turned to them and asked them, do you believe that I'm able to do this thing? <laughs> so Jesus, it wasn't about whether Jesus could do anything. He wanted no. to find out whether they believed yeah. he could do something for them. And they said, we believe. Then he touched them and prayed for them, and they were healed. And so it's not about, can the, pastor, uh, can the pastor heal me? No, it's not about that. Can you believe that he can heal you? Which pastor, and which pastor are you making? Is it yeah. with me or with your pastor? We can pray for you anyways. For you to be healed, yeah, and we believe that you. I don't know if anybody wants to say anything about this that's thing. It, yeah, I mean, so um, I don't know. You didn't mention your name, yeah. but I want to pray for you. I'll pray for you uh, right now for your healing, for that pelvic um, inflammatory. pelvic inflammatory disease and, and the ovarian cancer yeah. and the UTI yeah. to be healed. In Jesus' mighty name. Love, Takrade. She's from Takrade. Oh, love from Takrade. Yeah. That's your name. Love, I pray for you. In the name oh, of the Lord Jesus. And anybody who is watching and might have any sickness or any disease, if you believe, you are healed in Jesus' mighty name. Whatever sickness, whatever disease in your pelvis, I declare dead right now in the name of the Lord Jesus. I declare healing for you right now. In a name that every single thing responds to, even in Jesus' mighty name. I, com- I command that cancer to die right now. I command the UTI to die right now in the name of the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father, even in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can also get in touch and uh, we'll see what we can do for you, naturally speaking, as well, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. All right, so to the next one. There are questions concerning the end times. There are so many questions from Belinda. Belinda, I've seen your questions. I'm going to answer them for you. I've seen some from Taylor, from Wisdom, uh, and all of that. But I don't know if our time will help us. You mentioned to, faith and hope too. Yeah. Faith and that's what we are, yeah. we are talking about now. Right. This is from Meda. Meda says, what do you do? Meda, I know you. He says, what do you do when you wait on God for something and you put your hope in him and things seem to be going backwards? What do you do? When things, you put your hope in God, your faith in God, and things seem to be going backwards. Pastor Eugene. Um, when you read Galatians chapter, I think Pastor read it. Um, there's a certain principle here in the Bible, in Galatians. The Bible says that um, from verse 9, and let us not be weary in well-doing. It's for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. And there's another scripture to it. Um, first, let's just look at that one. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. The Bible says that, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain. Is not in vain. You see, the Bible says that God is not unrighteous to forget you. 
Mm. Are you getting it? Yeah. God is capable. Sometimes the challenge has been that people have not had a revelation of the goodness of God. Mm. The Bible says that you are good and you always do good. Mm. You see, so you have to really properly establish the kind of relationship you have with God. God is a good God. You see, the Bible says that if you can know the love of Christ, you'll be filled with all his fullness. The fullness of God is devoid of some of these setbacks. You know, so you have to understand that God loves you. And sometimes uh, we may find ourselves in a certain situation. Don't lose hope. Keep believing God. Keep confessing what God says to confess. In due season, you will see the manifestation of fruits. So you just have to be patient. The Bible says that follow those who through faith and patience. Patience, yeah. Are you getting it? So um, some things may not happen instantly. Obtain the promises. Obtain faith and patience. You obtain the promises. promises. So keep believing. Yeah. Maybe you put your faith to work and you are not seeing anything. Makes no difference. Yeah. Are you following God because of things? We are not following God because of things. That's the yeah. issue. We are not following God because of money. We are following God because we love God. Exactly. Not because he will give us a car. Jesus said, in this world, you have many troubles, but she have overcome the world. As for this world, you have troubles. You have, and there are, there are different levels of troubles. Different levels. So don't, if you are going through something now, it doesn't mean that it is finished. Go and go and go and see the juju man who will do it for you in 24 hours. Yeah. No. That comes at a price. You see. God is working patience in you. Yeah. So that when you, you start getting what you're supposed to get, you will know how to use it well. Yeah. It will not control you. Yeah. Your life will not be destroyed. Yeah. So relax. Go through the process. A life is a process. Everything is a process. Mm-hmm. Nobody, Rome was not built in a day. Nobody moves from A to Z at once. It doesn't work like that. Of course, unless it's a miracle. Yeah. And even miracles are worked by God. God is the one who brings, it's, 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 it's an intrusion of the supernatural into the natural. Do you see? So, there's a process. Even in a miracle, there's a process to it. Yeah. It doesn't just happen just like that. So, please, um, allow yourself to go through the process. You may be struggling. You may, but if you've noticed, God feeds you. God yeah. takes care of you. If you've noticed, yeah. you may be complaining. Sometimes we are ungrateful yeah. because we, we only look, we focus on what we don't have. Yeah. We don't think about what we have. God has done some things for yeah, you. Focus on those ones. And search for it. Dwell in contentment as you search for it. Yeah. Always have that in mind. If you read in Hebrews chapter 13, let me read Hebrews chapter 13 from verse, from verse 4 to you. Hebrews 13 from verse 4. Let's read 5. Hebrews 13, 5. Let your conversation be without conversion. Let's read the uh, Amplified so we can see. It says, let your character or moral disposition be free from love of money. Including greed, avarice, lust, and craving for earthly possessions, and be satisfied with your present circumstances and with what you ha- with what you have. For he, God Himself, has said, "I will not in any way fail you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support. I will not. I will not. I will not in any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake, nor let you down. Relax my hold on you. Assuredly not." Is God talking? Wow. So I think this is a clear answer for you. Let your character or moral disposition be free from love of money. Okay? Including greed, avarice, lust, and craving for earthly possessions. Earthly possessions are important, but your life should not be all about that. We are not following Jesus because of car. You don't need Jesus for a car. You don't need... You can walk... In America, you can walk to any any, uh, uh, motor showroom 
and then just uh, uh, drop $500 and you have a car, or $100 and you have a car. You pay it over a long time. There's nothing wrong with that. Do you see? So we don't believe the gospel preaching in Africa will not work in America. Yeah, if that is what the gospel is. It will not work in Europe. It's not because of money. We are not preaching because of uh, uh, because God. The gospel is not believe in Jesus Christ and He'll give you all your cars, all the houses. Or no, that's not that's not it. He wants to work in you His His character, work in you His righteousness, work in you His glory. That's what He wants for you. Make you a better person. So stop looking around. Believe in Him. Trust in Him. Okay. Go with what He gives you at per time. Yeah. And believe Him for more. Grateful. Be grateful for what you have and believe him for more as you go. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. I don't know if you have anything like to say. Yes. Something small to that. It's, it's interesting. This scripture is talking about God's provision. You know, it's, he's talking about the fact that I will not leave you, I will not fail you. And he starts talking about he providing from you, for you, from you being settled in what you have. You know, God's provision for you starts from you being content, you being grateful, and you being okay on the level that you are. Go to um, chapter 10, verse 35. 35, 36. Let's read maybe BB. If you can get BB. Um, it says, so do not give up on your hope which will be greatly rewarded, you know. So your hope in God is not, the Bible says hope maketh not ashamed. Your hope in God will be rewarded. Your trust in God will be rewarded. But look at what he says. He says, for having done what is right in God's eyes, you have need of waiting before his word has effect for you. Mm. After you have done all that you are supposed to do, there is the need. It's a need because, as Pastor mentioned, God is building something inside you. You know, if God is just handing over all that you think you need to you, it's just like me handing over whatever I think my child, my irrespective of the person's age, ask. And then you just give. Imagine your three-year-old son or daughter ask you for a car and then you just give the car BMW. at BMW, just give it. I want a house. Then you just give the baby a house. I want this. Because in that baby's eyes, it's something I actually need. Yeah. And it's something I actually want. I want to just eat sugar. It's something, that is what the baby thinks yes. like she, he or she needs at that point. So you have need of waiting. It's also a need. Maybe it's a need you don't know you have. But God knows that you have need of patience before um, what's he has worked in you will show, you know, and it what we've been talking about also comes to play. You have to make sure that you are doing what you are supposed to do. Then after you have done that, the patience comes into play and then you begin to inherit whatever promise that God has given you. So it's a whole process. We should always have that in mind that God is our father. He cares about us. He loves us. And he's the one raising us. We are his people. We are the sheep of his pasture. So he's the one raising us. He's the one training us. And whatever he has to do to bring out the best in us, he's going to do it. So don't give up. Most people give up right before their testimony shows up. Don't give up. Don't give up on God. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What a blessing. Maybe we'll do some one last question or two more and then we'll bring today's <laughs> service. Start. I think we've, we've said so many things. We've tried. Today. We've tried to answer as many. We had, I, I had about 13 pages of questions yeah. um, that came in. Blade. And even that, this is just this is different from what we answered on Wednesday. Yeah. So keep your questions coming in if you if you still have them. 
we'll try and probably use Wednesday to do a last meeting on okay. uh, the rest of the questions because uh, Belinda's questions are not yet answered. Tracy yeah. from Kumasi's questions are not yet answered and some other questions yeah. as well. So um, I'll do my best to go through all those things with you and I'm sure you'll be blessed. Okay, but let's, let's look at this question from uh, 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 KK from Takradi. He says, Please, about the believer's authority, I'm born again, I'm a born again child of God doing ministry. I know I have power to cast out demons and to, and to heal the sick. I prayed for a sick person some time ago, but the person didn't get he healing. I prayed out of faith. I didn't have any doubt in my heart. Please, I want to know what, why that happened. Is it that the person's faith was small, or I didn't pray well, or the sickness is not a spiritual sickness? That is why it didn't go. <laughs> I think it's a good question to end with, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it's, it's a very interesting question. You know, that brings my mind to um, a story in the Bible in Matthew chapter 17. When Peter, the, the disciples were, were someone, what do you call it? Someone brought his child sick of the lunatic. lunatic. Yeah. And uh, epilepsy. The, epilepsy, you know, and they tried, it didn't work. So... They asked Jesus, the person brought the, uh, the child to Jesus and said that, I gave him to your disciples and it didn't work. They could not hear. Yeah, so I, I, it looks like you are in a similar situation. Mm. <laughs> right, so it's important to look at what Jesus said so that we can address the issue because it really fits the situation. So um, let's look at Matthew chapter 17. I think from verse 14 will be fine. Okay, the Bible says that, and when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is lunatic and sore vexed, for oft times he falleth into the fire and oft times into the water. So I guess this was a very serious issue. Yeah. The Bible says that, and I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. And then Jesus answered and said, Oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. And from verse 19, the Bible says that, Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could we not cast him out? And Jesus, I think we can get an answer from here. And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, If ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, it shall say unto this mountain, Remove from hence to yonder, yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. And then verse 21 says that, Howbeit this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. No, so um, he said this kind, this kind of what? Unbelief. You see, so there are some types of unbelief. You know, you may not be able to instantly believe the scripture. You have to work on your believing. And Jesus has given us a way out. It is by prayer and fasting. fasting. You know, so um, it looks like in the question, the person is looking for who to believe. Whose fault to yeah, whose fault. To, but, I mean, it's better to look at what Jesus said. Do you get it? Because there are people who have been healed even though they didn't hear. 
Yeah. yeah, because some people are deaf and blind, and I mean, ha- such a person may not they be able to have faith. Message, they couldn't hear the message hear the to believe it. They couldn't. They couldn't hear the prayer to believe it. You get it. so you. This guy was lunatic, and I mean, there's no way. Yeah, he can't have faith. So look at what Jesus did. The Bible says that you could not cure him because of your unbelief. And I said, this kind, not this kind of disease, but this kind of unbelief. Go ahead, not out, but by prayer and fasting. So you should work more on your believing. You know, like we've been saying throughout the meeting, it's a process. It's a process. So believe in the scriptures some more. Besides, the Bible says that this is our work. If you're, if you're a minister of the gospel, the Bible says that this is the work that we have to do. And the working, according to John chapter 6, verse 29, is to believe on him whom he has sent. So work on your believing. I believe that the, ne- yeah, the next time... You meet such a situation, you'll be able to... you have an instant result. And, Jesus name. you know, sometimes um, when you lay hands on the sick, if you read in Mark chapter 16, yeah. verse 17, it says, they shall lay hands on the sick. First of all, it says they shall cast out devils. Then it goes, it goes on. Let's look at it. Mark chapter 16, verse 17. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. Then it says they shall speak with new tongues. Verse 18, then it says, They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. They shall recover. So sometimes it's a recovery process. Yeah. You lay hands, you may not see any physical evidence of a change. Just like the way Jesus spoke to the, the tree, yeah. the fig tree, and nothing happened to it. But the following day, when they came, the fig tree had died from its roots. So you said that you, have, you had faith, you prayed in faith. Now, if it was faith, you would know about this aspect as well, that it can die at the root. Even if I'm not seeing anything physical, it is dead at the root. And because it's dead at the root, I'm expecting it to weather with time. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's another aspect that you need to look at. Okay, so have the faith that when you lay hands on the sick, they are going to recover. I've had that so many times. I prayed for some people. I've prayed for people over the years. You pray for them, then, then you don't see any change. But then with time, there are some healings that takes three years. There are healings that take five years. Yes. Yes. There's this wonderful man of God that I follow. I'm, I'm talking about Pastor Chris. I follow Pastor Chris a lot. And I've seen miracles that have taken three years, five years to, to, fit, to fully manifest. They lay hands. For instance, there was an experience I had with him recently. There's someone I know who had a cancer. And uh, she, was, she was going to die. She had some few days to die. And she was brought into a meeting where this man of God was ministering. As soon as he laid hands on her, the cancer exploded immediately. And he rushed her to the hospital. The, prior to that experience, the drugs that were given to her were not, was, wasn't working. None of the drugs were working. And so she had been declared to die after some few days. She came for this meeting. The man got laid hands on her. The thing exploded. The drugs started working. Now, she's not moving around completely as you'd have it. But the drugs have started working and they've start, it started working on her. Now she can move around, she can do some things, she can do, she, hope as, and she's not dead. She was supposed to have died last year, November. It's 2020, April. She's still alive. Yeah. In other words, healing, the healing is working inside her system. The healing anointing is working in her system. And that, she's going to come and give her testimony fully very soon. Do you see? So, um, there are various aspects to it. And if it is in faith, if you pray in faith, God will let you, the Holy Spirit will let you know what is happening at that particular moment. If you don't see an instant thing, he will let you know that there's a process, something is happening with this one. And expect to see something with time. Hallelujah. 
Yeah. So that aspect also exists. It just I don't know if you have anything to say. Um, when you check the account in Mark, um, because of time, so let me just read from verse 22 or verse 21. So this is Jesus. It says, and he asked his father, how long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, and he said of a child, and oftentimes it had cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said unto him, If thou can believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. Mm. And straight away, the father of the child cried out and said, With tears, Lord, I believe. Help, help thou, thou my unbelief. unbelief. So sometimes, you notice that, I notice it's an experience that almost every minister will go through as you put your faith to work. You know, you have instances where it looks as though, okay, I had faith, I believed I did everything, but it didn't work. But you notice that as you go back to search, uh, sometimes I feel oh, like we this experience helps us to grow. Yeah. Because it didn't work. So as the I disciples do? did, how why didn't it work? They went back to ask Jesus. So you also get the opportunity to go back into the scriptures to ask. Then you come across answers like what Pastor just gave, yeah. that actually the thing worked. It, 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 it could be that it has been cursed from the root yeah. and it is going to work. Next time when you pray for somebody and you don't see an instant result happening, you will not uh, cancel the thing with doubt. Mm. Because you thinking that it didn't work. You have doubted. You have doubted. And have you have annulled what you laid hands on the person to do. Do you get it? Because you prayed that this sickness should, should die. Mm-hmm. Then after, you're like, you it didn't, didn't die. die. <laughs> so you just give it the life back again. So it, you can have, he said, I believe. Help my own belief. So sometimes you can notice that you can have a mixture of belief and unbelief in a certain sense. You know, can think of talks about how that you can have doubt in your mind mm-hmm. and have faith in your heart. Yeah. So these things lead you back into the scriptures, lead you back to Jesus is the word. So it leads you back to Jesus to find out and uh, understand the fact that you are growing. So it's all part of the experience, you know. So as you grow and as you develop, you notice that your the results are going to be more concrete in the name of Jesus. So Hallelujah. don't give that cry. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. There are some two short questions here. I just want us to answer them. It says, I am Jacob from who? Please, is there a difference between the Holy Spirit and the Holy Ghost? There's no difference. There's no difference. It's just King James language, okay? Uh, just as you don't have some words in Eve, but you have them in tree. It's like that. So sometimes you don't have a word for spirit in certain languages, but a spirit is a ghost in that language so they will say ghost instead of spirit that's it's the same thing then uh, kelvin says please did the disciples receive the holy spirit in john 20 22 and also in acts chapter 2 in john 20 22 jesus opened the understanding the bible says that he built on them and said receive the holy spirit and he opened the understanding there's a there's a there's another account in luke luke chapter 24 from verse 45 that explains it for you he opened the understanding. He, he, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit for the purpose of opening the understanding. But in Acts chapter 2, they got born again and received the Holy Spirit. 
because in, uh, 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 um, the Holy Spirit is the one responsible for the new birth. We said that at the beginning. Yeah. So, so that's so. it. Okay. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Wow, what a blessing. It's been a very long session yeah. of uh, answering so many questions. And I believe you've heard so many things. Yeah. And uh, I believe your, your questions have been answered. I don't think you've been uh, endued with more questions. But rather your questions have been answered. Hallelujah. I want us to uh, share a word of prayer. We'll take our offering and then we'll close. Father, thank you for blessing us with all these words, with all these truths. Thank you for explaining all these things to us. Thank you for bringing these things to understanding. Thank you that these answers have come to come and answer all our questions and are causing us to increase from glory to glory, even in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you for listening. We pray that the word of God will be rooted and grounded in your heart as you give attention to the word. Kindly follow Pastor T and Love Economy Church on all social networks for more of God's word. Don't forget to subscribe to the Pastor T podcast. Simply search for Pastor T on any podcast app, plug in and enjoy God's word. Visit our website at loveeconomychurch.org for more information. God bless.